Hi, my name's Aaron Orlando, and you're listening to the Revelstoke Mountaineer Podcast. After doing the podcast intermittently for the past two years, we're now putting more time and resources into it. So if you're interested in keeping up with what's happening in Revelstoke, look up the Revelstoke Mountaineer Podcast on iTunes and add us to your podcast feed. For now, the podcast focusing on doing what audio storytelling does best, and that's highlighting the people and personalities behind the stories. Today, we got a tale of woe at the Revelstoke Farm and Craft Market. A few weeks ago, I got a tip about trouble brewing at the market. The tipster said longtime vendor Wildflight Farm was about to get the boot from the market. When you work in news in a small town, you get lots of tips. Many turn out to be true, but a lot turn out to be rumors, uh, third-hand information that's more wrong than right. I thought that this would be one of those rumors. How could the market kick out their busiest vendor, their anchor tenant? I decided to wait and see what happened. I don't really have time to chase down everything. When the town heard it was true, it kicked up a lot of anger and online mudslinging. I got a sense that people were as puzzled as I was about the decision and they wanted answers. In the spirit of trying to get out the word directly, we spoke with two of the main people involved. Herman Bruns is the owner of Wildflight Farm, an organic farm based in Mara. He's heavily involved in the market and has served as its president in the past. This summer would have been his 25th season in Revelstoke, but now he's left trying to figure out his next steps. I've known Herman for nine years since I moved here. Like many, I buy vegetables from him at the market, and we often chat. I spoke with Herman to get his side of the story. Herman, this would have been your 25th year as a vendor at the market, uh, but your application was denied. What reasons were you given? I haven't received any official reasons uh, in writing from the board. Um, in fact, I've had almost no communication with the board um, other than some a couple of what I felt were informal talks with Dan Meeks, but it turned out later that uh, the, the board felt that they were they were they were delivering me a message through him but he didn't he didn't uh tell me that so and since i've um yeah we didn't we we didn't receive any direct communication from the board other than when they returned my so they, they started off by not even um issuing sending me an application to renew my my uh vendors uh space and um then when i i sent an application in any way because I've got it from somebody else. Then they returned, and I also included a letter from a lawyer to tell them that they couldn't do what the way they do what they were doing in terms of trying to expel me without due process. Um, and so then, uh, when they re- they re- they sent my application back with my check uh, and uh, along with a letter from their lawyer. Uh, kind of sidestepping the issues that we had raised in terms of process. What are your issues with process? You know, in order to expel a member from a, uh, a society, you must go through, follow a process that's spelled out in the bylaws. This process involves uh, informing the entire membership that you're about to do this and inviting them to come to a meeting to do that and allowing the person that's the member that's about to be expelled to have a chance to rebut or tell his side, his or her side of the story. And that process is not being followed at all. In this case, the board did not consult at all with their members. They should have, in my opinion, what they should have done is taken whatever the issues are 
and brought them to a general meeting and said, okay, here's what, here's an issue. If it is that we don't, we no longer uh, feel we should allow a vendor to sell produce that's from other farms for the, the, the way we had been doing in the early spring, then bring that to a general meeting and get it passed that, that, that that's no longer allowed. That's a real simple thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then it would be up to me to conform to that. And of course we would comply with that. We would look, you know, we would be disappointed. And I think our customers would be disappointed that they wouldn't have access to some of those things that they enjoyed in the early spring. But we either could find another way to do it, to offer it through a store or, you know, set up a table somewhere else or or not do it at all. Or, you know, there's a whole lot of options there. Uh, but they were kind of preempting this by deciding, oh, well, let's get rid of this guy. We don't like him. He's a thorn in our side. And, you know, here's a way to do it. We're not even going to let him become a member. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not legal. So I think they're, they're actually opening themselves up to a real... Uh, legal liability as well. So one of the market, one of the reasons that uh, is out in the public in the controversy surrounding this is that the market has a bake, grow, make philosophy, and that's uh, mandated by their involvement in the provincial uh, farmers market association, uh, and uh, that you were not complying with the, that policy. Do you do you agree with that? Do I agree with the policy? Uh, yes, I, I support that policy too. I, I feel that we should be, uh, that's what farmers markets are for, are to, to really um, bring a, a local food, make, make local food more available to you know, members of a, of a community. Um, but the, the, uh, the part that I don't agree with is that I was somehow um, not following that because every time, what I did is I brought a motion to the annual general meet each year to allow for an, exem- an exemption, a six to eight week exemption of a particular group of items. We, we limited it to 20% of our, our overall table, only BC certified organic items. And it was really clearly spelled out each year in a motion that I made at the general meeting so that the members could review it and could decide whether they wanted to continue. So it was really upfront and open and democratic. And each year, the membership overwhelmingly uh, voted to support that idea. I was, I'm totally doing what, what we were allowed to do. You know, the reason we brought it up each year is so that, you know, we can have, there is an opportunity to say, okay, well, this year we, we, things have changed, circumstances have changed, or our own ideas have changed, and we don't, we no longer want to allow that. Fine, then do that. But, you know. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Herman, you're saying that uh, you could have abided by the bake, grow, make philosophy, or if the membership and the board wanted to make an exception or, or start enforcing that policy more strictly, you could have abided by that, but you weren't given the chance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't even a matter of enforcement. I mean, I was clearly allowed to do it because the membership voted to allow me to do that. Board's making it sound like I was somehow... Um, not complying with something, but I was I was totally complying with what we were we had we had agreed we would allow to do. We have a policy. We made an exception to that policy for a limited period of time for a certain purpose, and we all agreed to it. So, what's there? What's wrong? There isn't anything. And if the next year the policy is different, we decide that we're not going to make an exception to the policy. Well, then obviously we're going to be doing that. That's the thing. I don't even understand why the the, the argument that they're giving that that somehow this is an issue is 
it's not an issue at all. Mm-hmm. Do, do you agree with the argument that the imports can squeeze out smaller producers and especially new producers that are you know trying to get their legs in the market? It seems uh, that part of the philosophy of the bake, grow, make policy is to foster local food production. Yeah, obviously that is the policy, or that that's one of the reasons for the policy, and, and absolutely we totally support that. I mean, you know, we've spent, we've dedicated our entire working lives to farmers markets and to, to doing, you know, to providing that, and we, our farm, in many ways, has, you know, is totally influenced. The growth of our farm was totally influenced by what what the demand of produce in Rolestoke. I mean, you know, I can tra- trace our, the growth of a lot of the things that we did. And, you know, we grow a huge, huge, huge variety of products. And we supply, you know, we do our best to supply, you know, the market and the community with produce year round. That's what we're trying to do. Herman, sorry. Do you see a compromise uh, in the near future? Is there any way to work through this? I know that there's uh, an AGM coming up uh, in April for the the farmers market. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I really want to get into the details of that. I think there is still there is a good opportunity still to make change uh, within the, the association if the members, the remaining members are not happy with the board. I think they have the opportunity to make some changes. And in that case, you know, things could be resolved quickly. But if things aren't resolved, then we're ready to to pursue forming a second market. So I've, I've heard that there's talk of a second market. Are you moving forward with that? Managed to finish that part was, you know, the argument that we're somehow, because of the size of our our farm is somehow limiting the growth of, you know, smaller vendors at the market. That is totally wrong too, because just in the last two years alone, we 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 um, have two new produce vendors, and and there, you know, in the last ten years, if you look at what what, what the situation was ten years ago, where really we were, we we and maybe two other produce vendors were the only ones there. Now we have like at, at least. Uh, six or eight of them and you know we have um, also in the last few years uh, acquired a really awesome berry vendor I mean the market is is you know really improving in terms of diversity and, and choices and our sales like our actual market stand hasn't changed in 10 years in terms of its footprint and our actual sales are definitely have gone down in the past 10 years so we're not anywhere near we're not restricting the growth the the the, of the market at all. I have to very strongly reject that argument. Okay. All right, Herman, one last question. You've talked about creating a second market possibly. Do you think uh, you'll be moving forward with that this year? My preference would be that Revelstoke has, and I, and that's based on um, uh, experiences in other towns. Having two markets is not ideal. And it can lead to fracturing of, and you know, just it, it just is not as effective as having one market. I feel that that would be my first choice is to that I'd like to see the market come to terms and and realize that the you know the board made a mistake and it, that that needs to be rectified and that we can we can operate as one market. But I really feel that if that doesn't happen, if that for some reason you know we can't get that resolved, then we will do whatever we can to get another market going. Mm. But the first choice is to to try to resolve those differences. And ultimately, I think it's going to need 
externally ourselves. Herman, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Herman Bruns is the owner of Wild Flight Farm. When I asked a member of the Farm and Craft Market board if they would like to do an interview, he said it would be tough. Several of the board members were really broken up about the situation. A couple of them really weren't doing well in the face of online accusations, name-calling, and I guess what you could call bullying. Overnight, they went from being volunteer farmers market board members to a faceless cabal whose motives were being openly questioned. In the end, it was suggested that I speak with board member Dan Meeks. Dan's a priest at the Rebel Stokes Anglican Church, and the reasoning was he's got the most experience speaking in front of crowds and dealing with the public. I spoke with Dan to find out the Rebel Stoke Farm and Craft Market Board's perspective. Mr. Meeks, why was Wild Flight Farms application for the farmer's market been rejected this year? They've been at the market for coming on 25 years now. The application um, was rejected because um, what um, Wild Flight required, the the market couldn't provide. Um, They had made um, significant attempts to change the policy in order that um, the market would change differently and and meet their interests. Amongst them, the one that's been spoken of most, it was uh, the importing of um, goods not growing. The farm and market has a standard that 100% is uh, is growing on the on the farm. Uh, we didn't renew it because we had a history of making concessions, and then the, the concessions were ignored. Um, the imported product uh, extended far beyond um, what the board had approved, and so we just said, uh, uh, "Enough is enough." Um, they've grown to be a significant. Um, Farm, the third grocery store for Revelstoke, and so um, in discussions with Herman, I thought that we were heading that direction, and uh, so we just we declined to send him an application. What is the problem with selling vegetables that aren't grown directly by the grower? As I understand, uh, the the extra vegetables were were brought in by Wild Flight Farms to sort of fill in the shoulder seasons when the fresher veggies weren't available locally. Your understanding is correct. Um, what's not helpful about it is that uh, um, when small farms are studying, starting out, if uh, you have imported vegetables, um, they go broke. Um, it's, it's kind of an unfair competition. So the BC Farmers Market Association um, has set a standard for those who are um, grassroots markets that um, there is no imported food for those, for those markets in order to sustain new farms. Some market vendors um, opposed to uh, the removal of Wild Flight Farms this year have asked why they weren't consulted or have sought more consultation on this one. Do you think the, the board took adequate steps to pull the membership on this decision? Um, I, I think that um, we have to acknowledge what a board is charged with. A board is charged with uh, um, delivering on its policy and uh, um, taking a poll when to break policy is, is uh, it's like asking the city, um, who, who um, should we uh, give a, a grant in lieu for taxes? Like, um, let's have a popularity concert, um, contest here in terms of who doesn't get to pay taxes or doesn't have to pay taxes. And um, so that's what boards do. They take, they take responsibility for the policy that's in place, and that's what this board did. And so the consultation with people, um, they may not agree with the board, but that's what you elect the board to do. Mm-hmm. 
What about um, the the interests of the community? Uh, what would you say to a resident who says, you know, they aren't really concerned about the rules or the politics of, of it all. They just, you know, want to have uh, access to organic veggies for as much as the year as possible and that this is a, a way for them to get it. I think I think the consumer is always right. And that's why we've really supported um, Herman setting up a second market. We've we've had consumers that have expressed both things: that relief that um, we have new young farmers coming to market, and it's not same old, same old. And on the other hand, a great deal of disappointment on the part of. Um, some members of the market, but also the public. I mean, um, Herman has a very loyal following in terms of customers, and uh, so that's why it's critical that he continues as he has in Salmon Arm in a private market. I understand that uh, the Farming Craft Market has an annual general meeting uh, coming up. Is there any hope for reconciliation or compromise or um, the board and the wildlife farms to, to get together and work something out? I, 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 uh, I think the working something out is, is uh, something that we've always supported, but if working out means that uh, Herman will return to the market, the market is full. Um, all space approved by the city um, is full. And, and so um, I think having a joint plan in terms of how we sell vegetables um, in fruit, in, in Revelstoke is really critical and um, I think it's really important that both parties get together and plan on a joint marketing program but it'll be around two markets Dan Meeks is a member of the board of directors at the Revelstoke Farm and Craft Market uh, Dan thanks for taking some time to talk to me today thank you very much it seems like the two sides are pretty far apart so what happens next it's hard to say there's talk of a second market that can accommodate wildlife farms, but that's not for certain. There are also lawyers involved now. A group of people who want wildlife farm reinstated to the market have planned to protest to coincide with the market's annual general meeting on Saturday, April 8th, where the controversy might come to a head. Thanks for listening, and please consider sharing the podcast and following the Revelstoke Mountaineer podcast on iTunes and adding it to your podcast feed.